Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's safety chat. Hi, it's Mike with the Portage County Safety Council. I'm here with Dr. Linda Martin. What's up, Dr. Linda? How you doing? I'm doing great. Not much going on here today in New Hampshire. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do for safety. Right now, I'm actually teaching. I'm the new department chair of safety programs at Capital Technology University in Maryland, and all those safety programs are online. I've been teaching online for quite some time. I teach for Columbia Southern University in their safety programs. I also teach for Keene State College and Embry-Riddle Worldwide. So right now I'm kind of an academic, but I have a long history, like a 30-year history in safety practice. Wow, 30 years. That's awesome. So that takes (laughs) us to our first question is, how do you engage employees in safety and how do you inspire them to work safely? So I love this question and I get it a lot. You know, engagement with anybody is about attraction and involvement. And you want to attract people to that concept of working safe and how do they keep themselves safe and the people around them safe. And usually employees feel reluctance because they see safety as not caring about what they do or how they do it. I don't know if that's from the old school days when safety professionals came in and they were like the safety cop. But in the old days, I think, or even now, safety professionals come in and they don't seek to really be informed about the things that they're trying to change. So I think a safety manager engages and inspires best when there's a partnership in solving problems. And so When I'm going in to see how things are working and if I see something unsafe, one of the things that I usually do is stop the job and have a discussion about, you know, why are you doing this way? Because most of the time, the people that are doing the work know a heck of a lot more than I do about how to make it better. And even if they're doing it wrong in the first place, with a discussion with them as the lead, it inspires them to kind of be a partner in safety, which I think is a really fantastic thing. Yeah, that's a powerful idea because one thing I discovered is tribalism and how it impacts the workplace. We know as far as society, how it does, you know, how it affects politics and all these different things. But inside the workplace, it's really in a lot of manufacturing places or construction type cultures. You get that as well, don't you? You get this us first then. And so the safety cop just feeds that. It's like you come in and you act like your employees are the enemy. They're the bad guys. And you have to come and bring everything in order. And you know what I mean? And and there's really, you don't want to treat a teammate like that, do you? Absolutely. You know, I worked for a while as a safety director for a hoisting company, Cranes and and, um, Heavy Haul. And these guys, all they've ever known in their union atmosphere is an us versus them. Safety comes in. They put on their hard hats. They do what they think they're supposed to do. And then as soon as you drive off the site, it's back to usual. And so one of the things that I did when I first started working with them was to actually just say, hey, look, I'm not that gal that comes in here and tells you how to do your work because you know best how you do your work. All I'm going to try to do is understand how you do your work. I'm going to really try to be an active participant in what you're doing. And if you need something, I can be an advocate. Yeah, there's something out there called the drama triangle. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's pretty much hero, victim, villain. And it kind of tells the problem of a lot of different relationship, conflict of interest kind of things. And another gentleman came along and invented something called the empowerment dynamic. And so this is where you take the challenger or what who would be the villain on the drama triangle and you would turn them into a challenger and you would take the victim and make them a problem solver. 
And what's amazing is when you study body language, which I just really haven't studied a bunch, but I think I saw a TED Talk, so I call myself a pseudo-expert, right? (laughs) (laughs) So like a lot of times when there's confrontation involved in that us first then, literally people will stand face to face. And they said when people work together or partner or a lot of times you're with your friends, you'll actually form a V or like two sides of a triangle. And what I realized is in regards to the empowerment dynamic is a lot of times when I'm trying to de-escalate a situation, I get off that drama triangle and don't let anyone have a hero, victim, villain role. But then mm-hmm. I come in as a partner. And so instead of blaming, you know, and I, in the demonstration, when I teach this in training, I'll, I'll get a piece of paper that has the word problem on it. And I'll do an us for stem kind of thing and have someone stand up right in front of me. And if it's a guy, I'll slap in her chest. You know what I mean? And if it's a lady, I'll just have <laughs> hold it. So when you point at the problem, you automatically personify the problem with the person at hand. So what that does, it causes an us for stem. It causes a conflict. And so if you triangulate that and you bring in the problem as its own third person, even though an individual person may have done that, you know, it's hard to talk about through audio podcasts, but if you can imagine like a triangle, but if you make that problem a third point on that triangle and you and the other person is the other two points, now you could come together and look at the problem without blame shifting, without an us for some taking place and say, how do we solve this problem together? And I th- you're kind of saying that a different way, right? That's exactly what I'm saying. I, I love the analogy that you used. You know, I think partnership does a whole lot. Body language does a whole lot for a safe manager. And, you know, if I'm, I'm kind of getting ahead of your questions here, but one of the things that I really think students of safety and anybody, not, not just people that are seeking degrees, need to learn is those really important soft skills and how to approach somebody and how to actually be a partner. Absolutely. That takes us to question number two. If there's an overreaching, overarching safety issue from all your experience, from what you do now and and throughout all your 30 years of work history there, if there's one thing that you think we need to really take hold of this, you know what I mean? Like this is, we need to put the spotlight in this one issue. What would that be? I would pick the soft skills. I mean, I think everybody needs soft skills in order to do their job, even if you're a machinist on the floor, construction worker, or, or a safety professional. If we're talking purely about the safety profession, I think we need to do a better job at making education and opportunities accessible for people. You know, I, I see, at least on the education and the academic side of things, that there are a lot of people that are really excited about the safety field and about helping people and uh, possibly someday being that safety manager on the floor. And everything comes with a price, right? right? Learning, education, degrees, certifications, all that stuff, they preclude getting experience, right? And if you don't have experience, sometimes you can't get into the jobs where you can, you know, attach yourself to the money to get all those other things. So it's kind of a catch-22. So I think if if anything, we need to do a better job of making that profession, our profession, more accessible to people who want to come into it. I agree. And I get the point for certifications. And we'll probably get more into this later as you promote the project you're doing. But certifications are good because you know someone that you're dealing with may have more of a background, but it doesn't guarantee success. But what it does That's is right. it does create a professional barrier to keep other people out of entering that industry or that particular expertise. And that's something I don't like about those type of certifications. Right. And and I I would venture to say that sometimes degrees are the same way, right? I I can go on many construction sites here in the Boston area, and there are people with 30, 35 years of experience 
and they've come up through the trades and they don't have degrees and certifications. But as a safety professional, they're the people that I go to, that I go to to get mentored or to ask questions of. And, you know, it really kind of bothers me that without the degree and certification, they are kind of excluded from that premier group of experts or, you know, the practitioners that people go to. Yeah, I agree 100%. You know, I have a master's degree in marketing and in the early 2000s, and it's all about China and the Asian market, which is fantastic, but I'll probably never be in that market <laughs> with what I do. And so I like the fact that I have a master's degree, but I realized that I may have wasted $30,000 and it has absolutely nothing to do with my job. I mean, it's always fun to learn new things in that regard. So I, I agree there. The degree does not make the individual. It is nice and it's that they went through and accomplished whatever. But yeah, some things you can't replace through education. So that's for sure. So that takes us to our last question. Are you ready? Do we need a drum roll? Oh, no. I don't have any sound effects in the podcast. All right. So (laughs) question number three is, if you have one piece of advice for your peers, for other safety managers, or maybe even students, since you're a teacher in that regards, that are entering the field, what piece of advice would you give them to inspire them in the daily grind as a safety manager? This goes for everybody, not just uh, safety professionals, right? When you're doing your job and you come to that problem that you were talking about earlier and, you know, you come to an impasse either with the person that you're trying to solve it with or you're trying to create a new process or you get frustrated, just realize that in the moment that things may be very intense, but, you know, take a step back, breathe, maybe walk away, come back to it. And there isn't a problem that can't be solved. There isn't a risk that can't be lowered at least to some extent. And so, you know, sometimes time and distance put between that, if you have that that luxury, sometimes in construction, you don't have that luxury, but take a breath, maybe get somebody else involved and just kind of, you know, use some calmness and some soft skills and, and it, it'll get you a long way. I like it. Soft skills do go a long way as well as self-care. You know, yes, a lot absolutely. of construction manufacturing environment, they don't like those soft words like that. But self-care is important to help you through all the stress of that workday. So, Dr. Linda, before we get out of here, you're working on a special project. You want to tell our listeners about that? Sure, sure. So it kind of goes back to something I was saying earlier. As I've kind of aged up in this career and gotten into, you know, I, I wouldn't say gray hair because I'm not gray yet. But, you know, after 30 years, you start to really look at things a little bit different. And If you look at my background, I have the PhD and all the letters and I've got the degrees and I teach and but not everybody has that opportunity. And so when I really look at the field now and I look at people who are excited about safety, I want everybody to have a place, no matter what the mix of their I call it the three legged stool experience, education or certification is. So what I'm trying to build now is kind of a group. It's on LinkedIn, the Soterius Society, and we're also at www.soteriasociety.com. And I'm trying to find a landing place for people where it doesn't cost a lot of money. In fact, it doesn't, it doesn't cost anything to join up with us and access the forums. We've got some cool swag. But the whole impetus of the group is absence of injury, right? We're always seeking that absence of fatality and injury. And and if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking to, you know, have people that have a common mind that don't rely on big egos and flaunting their degrees or their certifications or anything like that, that's the group for you. Because what I'm trying to do is make some of those resources accessible to people who really want to learn. 
Dr. Linda, that's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're going to inspire safety and a lot of listeners out there. So we appreciate it. Maybe we'll have you back again sometime. Sounds good. That'd be fantastic. Everybody listening out there, thank you and be safe. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn up to a 4% Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.wordpress.com. The preceding information is for entertainment purposes only. Views expressed may not reflect the views of any affiliated or sponsoring individuals or organizations. Listeners should carefully weigh information provided and seek advice from an appropriate professional before implementing. Listener discretion is advised.